Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners in attendance and the trillions listening around the world to this week's edition of the Feelin' Film Podcast. Cast, cast, cast. I like the echo there. I'm Patch once again in my corner, ready to do battle for the heavyweight podcast championship of the world, is my best friend and co-host Aaron. Wow. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. For those who did I- not listen to the Rocky Four episode. <laughs> It got better, I will say. It got a little more extravagant. I feel like, <laughs> much like Apollo Creed, the more times you enter the ring, yes. the more yes. bells and whistles you add. Yeah, this the the first one was Rocky. This one was Rocky <laughs> Four. Like I was like taunting everybody, taunting Russians and things like that. And you know, I had explosions behind me, and James Brown was you know living in America with me on this time around. So I felt pretty good about it. <laughs> Nice. Well, this week we ventured out to the theater to catch the latest entry in the Creed verse with Michael B. Jordan not only starring, but also directing the film. Uh, for those tuning in for the first time, know that we are a full spoiler filled show, breaking down our thoughts on the entirety of the movie. So you have been warned. Hopefully, this isn't your first time. Hopefully, it's your 360th time uh, joining us if you're a devoted listener. So you know the drill. Watch, listen, enjoy the conversation. Here we go. All right, Aaron, we were both excited about this. I think we've both sort of really enjoyed this sort of offshoot of the Rocky verse. And to me, I think what really made me excited about this entry is that it felt, from the trailer at least, fully independent of the Rocky verse. Now, as someone who loves Rocky, I can tell you that it would be a surprise to hear me say, I'm glad that Rocky's not in this. But I don't think he needs to be. I think that the point of the trilogy, the point of these Creed movies, is to slowly sort of migrate away from the source material that made it possible. So I was really, really digging the fact that the story itself, it was really all about Adonis and Damien, this past. How do we get this reconciliation? What's it going to look like? And so my my interest was peak. I was like, okay, I'm 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 in. I was in from Creed two. Well, I was in from Creed one, but you know, Creed two left a lot of excitement for us. I really enjoyed that one. I don't know that I felt that way coming out of this theater experience. And I'm going to give a disclaimer, listeners. This is the first time in a long time that I've been to a theater. Uh, one with my wife because she doesn't go with me to a lot of these. I usually hit matinees on like Thursdays or Fridays. You know, when I have time because of movies that she's not interested. This was a Saturday night, 6 p.m. show. We'd grab some dinner. We'd get into the theater, and we sit down. And and look, there's going to be a ruckus, usually. You know, movie stars, people are talking to in the trailers. Cool. It didn't stop. And in particular, there were these like eight or nine <laughs> JDs, juvenile delinquents, as I call them, hooded, coming back and forth into the theater, just talking at this volume, getting their cell phones out, scrolling through, And I really got agitated. And I started thinking, if I wasn't podcasting on this thing, I would walk out and demand my money back because that's how I I felt so angry. And by the time the movie was over, like there were times when they would leave and then my adrenaline would kind of go down. And I'd be like, okay, we can fully enjoy it. And then you'd see two or three of them pop back in. And I'm like, why are people not like taking care of this? And then I remember 
movie theaters these days, at least in my town, are run by teenagers. <laughs> you know, you can't find good help these days. And when it comes to that, I sound like the crotchety old man, get off my lawn, and I'm fine with that. But the fact is, you go to a movie theater when the lights go down, you don't need a two and a half or three year old baby going, bah, 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 behind you, and another two and a half, three year old popping her iPad open to play a game because your parents couldn't find a babysitter. I understand. Circumstances are circumstances. At the same time, there's etiquette <laughs> that lives in this world. And I have no problem admitting that some of my opinions about this movie probably stem from my movie experience. In no way did I think Creed 3 was bad. I thought it was a good movie. I was entertained. I really do want to watch it again at home, independent of that, just to see if my vantage point changes. But when I think about it from Creed 1 and Creed 2, I think that there were some things that were missed for me from Michael B. Jordan's directorial sort of story here. It felt a little formulaic. It felt a little bit safe, a little bit predictable. And in some places, it felt like, mm, I don't know that I could believe that in this kind of world, even though the Rocky verse has given us sort of a larger than life character in Rocky Balboa and then with Creed, Apollo, and then Adonis. I didn't really feel like I got that kind of closure. If there is one, I kind of don't want a fourth Creed entry because where do you go from here? And so I wanted to really ask you as someone who probably saw this with critics, folks that respect the movie theater, what did you take away from your experience watching this third entry? Well, first of all, I completely agree with you on everything you just said. And there is nothing to apologize for at all because there is an etiquette that is an expectation when you go to a public space to enjoy a piece of art or a piece of entertainment that you and other people have paid money to experience. And you're right. I don't have to deal with this hardly ever because I almost never go to the movies outside of my press screenings. In fact, it's 95% just me going back to see something a second or third or fourth time when I've already seen it the first time, right? I'm going back to see it in Dolby or in IMAX or, you know, in Top Gun's case, I'll go see it if they project it on an iPad and have me pay for it, you know, whatever the case is. But you're right. And this is one of the reasons why I love that Alamo Drafthouse is expanding across the country slowly but surely. And I really hope that you get one. I hope that we get one up here in Seattle because they're known for enforcing their rules. And I don't think that they are run by a bunch of teenagers, like you said. And that's just the natural way that a theater staff is. And it very un typically has a staff that is willing to enforce quietness throughout the theater. Like they just don't pay attention to that. Now, if somebody was to get up and leave the theater to go tell the staff, you could probably get them to do something, but you're going to end up causing a scene because they're going to come in and you're going to miss the movie in the meantime anyway, <laughs> because you had to get up. It's all a nonsense, uh, awful kind of cycle there. So yeah, I, I, I feel for you. And I hate that your, you know, date night, Saturday night movie that you're hyped for gets ruined by this type of experience and for you and anybody else. So 
we can just, uh, you know, put down the official VLAN film position is that that stuff is not okay ever, period, exclamation mark. There is no circumstance in which it's okay to have an iPad with your child playing it while everybody else is trying to watch a movie. I'm sorry. There's not. If you can't get a babysitter, then it's on you to find a way to make your life work. If you can't get to the theater, this is not me being elitist. There are plenty of things that I just can't go do (laughs) in my life. And I accept that (laughs) because I either am not willing to make the sacrifice in order to go do them, or it's just a place that I just am not meant to be. So for this time in your life, a couple years till that kid grows up, suck it up. Think about people around you is what it boils down to, right? Think about people around you. So anyway, ranting over, my theater experience was great uh, because it was, you know, a press screening. Now, we did have, we do have often people with us that are not critics. The difference is these are people that stand in line with free passes in order to make sure they can get in. And so generally speaking, they are usually very well behaved. We have had some experiences, in fact, this year specifically twice in recent month where people have like headphones out and there's been like yelling matches in the theater, which is just, again, <laughs> like if you're yelling at somebody front row, put your phone down like three times in a row, you're actually causing more of a disruption than the person with their little phone out in the front row by themselves, to be honest. Anyway, movie Creed three. Uh, I had super high hopes for this. Just, just like you did, you know, absolutely adore the first two. I came out of this one thinking it was really good and had some extremely strong qualities, but that it did not elevate to what my expectations are for the franchise. And a couple of primary reasons for that were were like just big detractors uh, in, in a way that I could not overcome them. And it wasn't because I needed it to be a certain way. I guess it was, actually. I'll take that back. In a a sense, yes, I do think that I needed a certain style of movie to be in this franchise the way that it has been. And some of the changes I did not enjoy, directorial-wise and from a script standpoint. So I personally felt like the rookiness of Michael B. Jordan as a director, I I could see talent, but I could also see things that where I, I just didn't align with his vision and the way that he presented. And then I also feel like script wise, there were some misses here. And I can't help but wonder if that's because I think it's Kugler's kid that wrote the movie. His last name's Kugler. And I'm thinking that, you know, this is a thing where they're kind of like trying to pass down this franchise. and. You're not Ryan Coogler yet. You're, I don't know how old the the person is, but I know that they're not like a seasoned, you know, award-winning screenwriter. So this is something new to you, but you're stepping into this franchise on the backs of two really super strong scripts. And I, I had some weaknesses that I could pinpoint that really distracted from me interacting with the characters in the way the movie wanted me to interact with the characters. And so... That's where my disconnect of like, I couldn't get to loving it. I only could like it. Yeah, I, I look at the movie and there were moments that were really, really great. And then I don't think everything weaved together, bobbed and weaved, if you want to use a boxing reference. I don't know that it culminated 
with everything that we were seeing into a cohesive story, not one that didn't make sense. Like by the end of the movie, everything made sense, but it seemed to make sense on a short film level or you know a rookie level. And again, there's preconceptions. You know, Michael B. Jordan. It, it, this is his de- directorial debut, correct? So sort of having that in my head, I fully admit that I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I could see these rookie mistakes. Whereas if I saw Ryan Coogler's name on it, or I saw Spielberg, or I saw whoever, maybe I would have a little bit more grace by thinking, oh, this is something that, hmm, this is different. And so I I fully sort of, you know, am very self-aware that I'm thinking about the rookiness of this. At the same time, they're holistically it's not that some of the things wouldn't happen in quote real life, but they were, it was a very elementary story. That's where I think I landed is that the story overall felt very elementary, sometimes quite literally. I look at the story of Creed or the story of Adonis and, and Damien. And I asked my wife, I said, do you think that if Damien had won the fight, that he would be coming into Creed's locker room and they would be reconciling and have the same conversation. And she's like, no, no, not at all. And (laughs) I just kept thinking about schoolyard fights where you have these two people who have this built up anger and they fight and then they're okay afterwards. And I felt like that's kind of what I got, except now you have a quote past his prime fighter who now has the title again. And I don't, know that that felt earned (laughs) because we had to get to the place where from creed 2 to creed 3 adonis is now a family man and it felt a little rushed getting to that point so that we could get to the damien story to get to the point where he wins the title in an interesting way in order for adonis to then create this grudge match that's all about him versus versus damien surrounded by the title shot and so there's a part of me that thinks i can buy the grudge match i can buy the playground fight but there were times when i was like this may have worked a little bit better if you took the rocky five plot and put it in here where it wasn't about a title shot but it was about two guys who were trying to prove that they earned their life and that the life that they were trying to exert upon each other was one that neither of them needed to apologize for. So by the time you get to the end, the lines that Adonis was saying to Damien, hey, it's not on you either, I didn't I didn't really know what to do with that. To me that just felt like, okay, let's put a bow on this. And I was almost, almost anticipating when he left the locker room to turn around and say, hey man, your family too. Why don't you come join us? Because uh, you know Damien was like, you know, go with your family, and they say he's like, I'll see you around. And I, I don't know how I felt about that. I, that that felt a little bit more honest because I didn't want it to wrap up too much like a bow, but I kind of wanted to me to see Damien as someone who just holds on to that bitterness and leave, because to me that's who I saw in the entire movie is someone who was like. I need this. I've earned this. I want this. You beat me down. Okay, I'm going to walk away. And that's going to be it. But instead, you give me a reconciliable moment that I don't feel was quite 
earned. In fact, there's a there's a line, and this is one of the weird parts about the theater experience is Damien says something like there's a quiet pause after he sits down and Damien says, so I guess you did learn some moves uh, while I was gone. And the like half the crowd just like erupts with laughter. And Krisha leans over and she goes, was that supposed to be funny? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it was. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a tonal issue or whatever, but we weren't laughing. Like I felt like that was like this moment was supposed to be serious, and then you got these people behind me like, "Bah! Oh yeah, you did! You totally did that!" And I'm just like, "This isn't an action comedy. This is a drama." And so it was just things like that that I felt as though you're trying to sort of mature the story that probably doesn't need to go beyond what it already is. Sounds like we had a very similar reading of this then, which is not, for the record across the board like i have some friends who several of them say they thought that this was the best creed movie this was a five-star trilogy now my one of my good friends andy came out of it literally saying this was one of the best theater experiences he's ever had in his life he loved it that much and i just can't connect with that and i wonder if that's because of the style Right. And the the bigness of the cinematic experience. I mean, the boxing scenes, we'll talk about them in depth, but there's a reason why I think that connects with some people more than it connects with you and I, because it sounds like we seriously both were just like we were connected to story first and foremost. And that's where it was the biggest weakness for us. So I loved the setup of this. I agreed with you there. I think it's so much potential to have these two people and have somebody come back into his life. And there's eventually going to be a boxing match with this person, right? I thought that the setup in the beginning, the opening scene being like them as kids and being rather lengthy was a smart move because I cared about that pairing by the time we got to Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors. They didn't have to sell me on the two of them anymore because I we knew them as kids, right? And I really liked that and getting to see that. And then where the things that you're saying you had issues with were they were glaring for me at the movie and they have only become bigger to me since seeing it. And that is the fact that I I think you're totally right. Like I wish this had not been about a belt. I wish this had been a grudge match. This is the first time that, that a franchise film has though been specifically about a guy with a relationship with another guy one-on-one like, usually the relationships come after the fights in this series. Once they've already fought and had a battle, then they come together and, like, become friends or whatever the case may be. But in this one, they already have had that friendship, and so it's in reverse, which is such a cool concept. But, man, I got to tell you, like, first of all, <laughs> so I'll put it on my laundry list. First of all, we have the title shot for Dane. Now, this is not unheard of. I mean, literally just last night, UFC fighter John Jones, first time ever fighting as a heavyweight, he had not fought in UFC professionally in over three years due to legal issues, suspensions due to drug tests, and all sorts of other reasons, injuries, etc. He's never fought as a heavyweight, but he stepped into the ring last night after three plus years into a title fight. I have a problem with that. Because I don't care if he is a legend. I don't care if he's a Hall of Famer for what he's done over his career. 
He hadn't done it at the heavyweight level. He hadn't done it in three years. And to me, the people that have been boxing or fighting in UFC or whatever the sport is that have been doing the work up for the last three years, who the number two contender is, the number three contender, like that's the person that deserves a title shot. I will always believe that. But boxing and UFC are combat sports that are not just about putting the best versus the best. They are about promotion. Don King is a thing. Dana White is a thing. Like these sports, their goal is to make money first and foremost and put exciting matchups that people want to watch. They don't care about the sanctity of you earned the right to necessarily be the next guy to get a title shot. If you're not flashy and fun and interesting, (laughs) then you may not, you may get passed over. So there is precedence to that. But the way that Dame gets his title shot to me was completely unbelievable because where it differs from something like John Jones is that he doesn't have a 10-year Hall of Fame career to fall back on. Dude just got out of jail and he won some matches as a Golden Glove boxer as a teenager. Like if you're telling me that 13, 15 years later, all of a sudden the world isn't in an uproar that this guy is getting put in the ring for a title fight, like right off the bat, Like, there's just no way. I just don't believe it. And I felt like it made it worse that they used ESPN segments. I think this was the poorest use of ESPN real life segments that I've seen. The first film is brilliant. Coogler integrates those and they feel like you're really watching the fights live. This one felt completely manufactured to me and false. They did not land at all. I didn't work. But and I wonder if part of that is just because of the scenario. So Maybe I'll stop there and I'll go to point two, but I'll let you talk about that if you want. But I, I just could not, I had a really hard time getting past the fact that he even got put in that opportunity because there were so many other people. <laughs> yes, now Drago can't go. Okay, what about the other like th- two, three, four, five, six boxers that are like waiting in line, you know, and where yeah. where are they at? And why is there no, why is no one upset? Well, and I think, to to the credit of the film, there is that pushback by um, by Duke Burton, to, uh, little Duke, who says, don't do this. Don't do this. Where Adonis is like, this is a payday. Felix needs a payday. And in some parts, I think that he respects Damien enough as a fighter to say, this isn't going to be a wash. Although, before the fight, he signs to his daughter, it'll be quick or something like that, or he's in agreement that it's going to be going to be quick. That being said, I'm in complete agreement with you. And I think what makes it hilarious is that he has no gym that he is coming from. He comes from Crenshaw. He's representing Crenshaw, the city, not necessarily a gym or a, or a promotion. And just a little fun fact here, the kid that plays um, a young Damien Spence Moore II is in or played uh, in a, a number of episodes on a CW series called All American, which takes place at least in part at a school in where Crenshaw. <laughs> so <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of continuity there. I like that. But I absolutely agree with you. Even as someone who doesn't follow combat sports, I'm not into boxing or UFC. I'm sort of corporately or or communally involved. Like if somebody's going to say, "Come over and watch this fight." And I'm like, show me, teach me, whatever. I'm into it that way. It does not make sense. Because I'm thinking, what 
flash does Damien have to offer, except for the fact that he's this mystery guy. And so what happens here for me is that if I look at it from a boxing point of view, and he takes down Felix, granted, he does it by cheating, which in and of itself, I mean, it's going to happen. The fact is, he pummels Felix, but he doesn't pummel him like Drago does Apollo. So this is this is sort of the parallel that I saw is, okay, you got arrogant Felix who's like, I'll take you down. I can wail on you. And you've got Damien, who's basically like the quiet uh, Drago. I never felt like there was dominance. Like there were shots from from Michael B. Jordan's directoring, uh, the cinematography kind of showed that, but I never felt like it was anything more than just cheap, like a cheap fight that nine times out of 10, Felix would have wailed on this guy because Felix has the history. Felix is the champ and that's what he's promoted as. Like he keeps just destroying sparring partners. So yes, would he compete well? And did he compete well with Damien? Yes, they were well matched. But not only did it seem unfair, it didn't seem believable in the fact that this is a one out of one. And you have to be able to, in your boxing career, earn that title shot. Even though, as you mentioned, the promotion and the the bigness of it is what sells it. There's a point where if you had had Felix six months later, take on Damien, I guarantee you he would have he would have beaten Damien. Because Damien's not unbeatable. Why? Because he's 1-0. That was the thing that stood out to me is that there's one point when one of those ESPN graphics is coming up there and it says 1-0, undisputed champion. I'm like, that's a joke. That's a joke, right? So let, let me do it. I'll, I'll get my face kicked in to potentially be 1-0 and the undisputed champion. Like there's no history, which means there's no respect. I don't respect Damien as a boxer and maybe I'm not supposed to. But to me, it sort of deflated even more when Creed gets in the ring. And who does he look at on the right and give a little nod to? Well, it's Felix who's giving him a nice little, yeah, yeah. If I'm Felix, I'm like, dude, dude, let me fight him. I deserve that rematch. And that's kind of it. just from the boxing standpoint, it felt really much like, a, oh, you know what? I, I need to do this myself. And I'm like, do it in the schoolyard. Don't do it in the ring. Well, I think. To to the last part, I'll go back in a second, but I think I get I agree with you, like in a realistic scenario, that's how this would go down. But I think there's an element of Dame is the champ now and Dame gets to make the choice and Dame was not going to fight anybody other than Creed. Like, that's what he wanted. Right. I mean, that's that was the one segment on ESPN that I actually thought was was interesting is when. He goes on to talk with, I don't know who it was, Stephen A. Smith, maybe. And yeah. Dame calls in and is like, let's yeah. <laughs> go. I actually enjoyed that. That that part was pretty good. What, what you were talking about, though, on that first fight, and I agree. So I think what we saw from what we learned from that is that Dame is powerful and Dame is a better boxer than people would expect. And that if you underestimate him, which is what this series is all about, is not necessarily that he's the best, but that if you underestimate this guy, he can take enough punishment, like Creed and Rocky are built on taking punishment. Like, he can take enough, and he is strong enough to make you pay for your mistakes. But but like you, and this is one of my two humongous issues, is he cheats to win that fight. He is frequently dirty. 
There are not points taken away. He is not disqualified from that fight, but he is consistently fighting dirty and dangerous and and making illegal punches. And there's never any like consequence for this at all. He wins, he gets to be champ- heavyweight champion of the world. We don't have to, we don't see how the rest of the world reacts to this at all. You know what I mean? And then the other part is leading up to that final scene because there is no consequence to the fact that I don't listen, I love Jonathan Majors. He is truly of the next gen, one of the next generation's greatest actors. And I think everybody is understanding that and realizing that right now. He is on this run. This year is going to be his year. He's phenomenal. And I love the chemistry of Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors together. They came out in some interviews and were talking about like they wanted to do tons of movies together in different genres. And I'm like, I'm here for that. Like, yeah, bring that on. These guys are phenomenal actors. My issues with the story, right? And I actually looked it up, by the way. Keenan Kugler. You know what his credit is? His one credit before this was he was one of the writers on Space Jam 2. Okay, listen, that's mm. not that's not like that's not like something to like be proud of. Like I don't know why you're one of the two writers on this movie. Now the other writer of this movie, the only real credit under his name is he wrote King Richard. So that's a good movie. That's that's actually some some solid work there. I will give that. But anyway, a little bit of issues here. So what my big big problem was is that this man came out of prison and all implications from the story are that he hired or had his friend literally commit assault against Drago to injure him and take him out of a potential title fight. You cost him millions of dollars. You literally broke his bones. And there is zero consequence for this story. Creed knows it. And all he does is go in there and be like, we're good. I'll see you out there. Like, we we fought it out in the ring and it's okay now. It ain't okay now. Like, I'm sorry, but this is my problem. It is not okay now, period. And the story did not do that justice for me. Because Dame needs to go back to jail. Dame is not Dame is not okay. Dame like has his buddies on the beach like waving guns at people like threatening them. This guy, I don't care what he was when he was your son and I have empathy for him. I have empathy. I do not have sympathy because he takes his actions as an adult and he is a thug and he is does everything wrong and everything hurtful to other people and he gets to walk away with some shame that he lost a title that he didn't even need to have like where's the consequence to what he did? And and I, this is my whole problem. Like I love the performances. I love the characters, but my goodness, the ending just really left me like, obviously with this rage. Yeah. I think the summary statement is the whole is not greater than the sum of its parts is, or maybe that's a bad way of putting it. Again, there were pieces that were spectacular. And I think the summary of all this is that exactly what you said. I, I think that there's something interesting about, Jonathan Major's character because he's quiet the way that the way that he actually postures himself physically this is something that I found really interesting um you know several weeks after watching Quantum Mania where he's this other dude entirely <laughs> but watching him as Damien even at the start when he's having lunch with Adonis how he's sort of keeled over he's like thank you you know I appreciate that he almost feels 
like he's the whole movie he feels unstable like he's about to explode in different ways there were times when i was thinking does he have some kind of like is he on the spectrum what's happening here because he doesn't he doesn't seem to work societally functionally he doesn't he seems to be atypical is what i would say an atypical human being and there's something really compelling about that aaron because what we only know is that he spent 18 years in prison we know that at some point he met up with this crew of which one of them took down drago but i would have loved i would have loved to have seen how prison affected him all we got was that prison made him stronger prison gave him more strength that he'd been working out and he'd been training and so he's ready to do this if you had told me that there was some kind of like crazy trauma that happened while he was in prison that thwarted his understanding of the world that he saw everybody as the enemy or that something like really traumatic happened in prison how that would affect how he is in the ring and how he earns this that would have been something really really cool because you have adonis taking him under his wing not knowing about all this stuff and then somebody else comes into the fold that knew him that knew damien in prison and says you don't know what went down you never heard the letters you didn't like that's another component of like I thought that was really cool that he had written all these letters. We never saw anything in the letters specifically, just that he wrote them. And so the the takeaway is that, oh, you didn't care about me. Again, elementary. Yeah, that's that's a story component that I'm familiar with. Oh, you you know, you didn't this is this is over the top, by the way. This is another Stallone movie where a kid writes gets letters written to him from his someone who loves him and he never knows because they're being hidden by somebody else for their own good. Again, not not bad to use, but expand on that. What's in those letters? What makes what's what's he talking about? What's happening in his world? Because all that stuff affects who he is as a fighter or it could. And throughout the movie, I never cared about prison because I never knew about it. All I knew is he took one for Damien or he took one for Adonis. He was in prison. Now he's fighting again, and now he's got to fight Adonis. Those are the plot points, and I don't know that they were compelling enough for me to feel like this was a fantastic movie. Yeah, I mean that's that's really what it boils down to. It's like there, the pieces are there, the characters are there, the bones of the story, you know, timeline and and trajectory are there. They just don't come together in a way that makes it great. And like, there's just little little things, right? Like. Felicia Rashad as Mama Creed. So mm-hmm. this guy has been sending letters to Adonis for years, and she has hid them from him, put them in a box so that he could never find them, right? But somehow she remembers a face. What happened to be on one of these like pictures that were sent 10 years ago of this guy that she randomly saw a mugshot of on TV and that triggers her to go back into this box. I just, I don't buy that. Like this is a woman on her deathbed. Apparently another whole plot line that I don't know why I needed to be in this movie. Frankly, I don't know that it was, it just felt extra to me. Like I, I didn't feel like it had enough weight on it. Uh, if they were going to go that route, you, we weren't building up to this. Like, she just got sick in this movie and then she died <laughs> and it sucks. Like she's gone, but I don't know. It felt like almost like we were like 
having to write off everybody that existed in the previous generation in some way or shape or form so that we could completely move freely from them with Adonis, his wife and his age group. Anyway, I just, I found that to be a little bit of a miss too, but generally speaking, yeah, like the idea of Dame being this young boxer who had this great potential and and Adonis as someone who was raw and and like the kid that we met in Creed when we first saw him get adopted, like kid in the, the foster home and just he earned the juvie that's just he just fighting everybody, right? I felt like this was a consistent depiction of him as a kid. Someone who would look up to this, you know, friend of his that is already great at this thing that he wants to do as well. And then to have him go down by essentially stop saving Adonis when Adonis started a fight and yet there's total sympathy for why Adonis would start that fight, right? Because this is a guy who had abused them in a, in a home, like all that stuff, man, it's such a great setup. And I just, I think we get franchised sometimes, you know, like why does Drago need to be in this movie to be, to be knocked out? Like to show us that like he's, yeah. he's bud like him and Ricky both are in this movie. Like, Pretty Ricky, like Conlon is it's like, OK, so Creed's friends with them now because you have to do that because Rocky was friends with your dad after his movie. Or like, wh- why do we need to do that? Why can't they just go away like they were there for their movie? Let's move on. Right. So there's like, I don't know, there's just little strands of things that, that I can't help but not think about, even though even though when I'm watching this, I really enjoyed it. Now, I want to transition and, and talk about that part, because. This is what was weird for me, Patrick. I loved the not boxing storyline probably more than the boxing and the boxing storyline to them for the most part. So the struggles of a retired champ who doesn't know what to do with his time coinciding with a wife who has been losing her hearing again wonderfully played progression throughout the three films who is having to stop performing and move into a role as a producer in order to still do what she loves to some extent but it's not the same just like it's not the same for Adonis to be a manager and a promoter as it is to actually be in the ring himself their like parallel struggles the inability of Adonis to communicate with his wife the young daughter, so Amara, the actress stole the show for me. I thought she was so freaking good in this movie. I loved her character. The it was another bit of a miss there for me too was the fact that we like set up really early in the film this understanding that she has been watching her dad, who's this boxer, and now she has violent tendencies that are developing because of what she's been around. And they're like, yeah, don't do that. And that, and like, it never, and then they like champion her becoming a boxer, essentially. Like, that seems to be where the plot is headed. But they never really come back full circle and deal with that in a way that I felt they should have. But that being said, like, I loved that that was there. Like, all the stuff that, that was the through line of Adonis's like family unit situation, the drama in this movie, I thought was great. 
Yeah. And I wanted it to thread a little bit tighter between the three of them because the 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 plot line or the the thread that stood out to me was that first one in watching both Adonis and Bianca find success in their respective careers, but finding it in both boxing and singing and then post like financially, they're both successful on the back end. There's a great line that Damien says at the party where, uh, where I think it's uh, Drago gets, gets uh, injured. He's asking Bianca, he says, how does it feel to have somebody else singing your song? And she goes, I couldn't really complain if it's her. It was a phenomenal song, by the way. I loved it. And I love how she sort of postures herself with him because she sort of knows what he's doing, that she's trying to make he's trying to make her feel less than what she is. Like, oh, you're not a singer anymore. And she's like, yeah, but you know what? Being talented in an industry that is wide, as wide as it is, I don't have to. Look, I've got a a guy that I don't know if anybody listening knows the band Evanescence that came out of Little Rock, but there was a there was a guy who wrote pretty much a third to two thirds of their songs named David Hodges. I got a chance to you know he led worship at a church I was part of for a while. Got a chance to know him. Incredibly talented, and if you're listening to any kind of top forty pop culture songs, he's probably written them. Like that's how much of an influence he has. Kelly Clarkson. Um, David Archuleta, you know, all the, basically, if you, if you're on American Idol, he probably produced one of your songs if you were successful. But do you hear about him specifically? No, I don't know why. He's got a great voice. His songs are pretty phenomenal. They, they all have the same kind of flavor to them. And yet you don't hear his voice, but you hear his voice through the music of these popular singers. And I think this is how Bianca is, is that She's transitioned to be a producer and being able to still create music. And yes, she's written these songs. She can't sing them because of her hearing. That aspect has gone away. And I think she's actually reconciled that. I mean, she and Adonis are both walking through that post-spotlight life. And yet she's moved on. And this is something that I think Jordan was trying to touch on, which is, do I have what it takes to get back to that? And I think that's where the title shot sort of came in because he's now a promoter his manhood his ability to get back seems to be in question and sort so the title shot um sort of validates that and i felt like that was sort of the wrong step for me because i think the theme there should be can you be successful without having to go backwards that's interesting that was yeah, that's it's more interesting. It's, 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 what Apollo, it's what Apollo did. Apollo could not lay it down. He could not move on. And he got beat down at the hands of Ivan Drago. Right. And <laughs> I almost but, wanted to let that happen to, to Adonis here. Get beat down and then have a follow-up match or something where you're just in the streets banging it out with this dude. That would have been interesting too, actually. But yeah, I mean, I, I, wanted, I wanted the series to evolve. And I feel like in the end... And I'll be honest, I went into this thinking and hoping that this was going to be the end. I wanted a perfect capper of another trilogy, and then let's be done. And I read right before stepping into the theater that B. Jordan had already said that Creed Four was a go, and that spinoffs are being thought of and developed. You can already tell there's going to be something with Amara. There's no way they're going to not bank on this being the the most 
the the highest grossing box office opening weekend of a sports film in history. Like Jonathan Major's star is shining. They're going to keep it going because that's what Hollywood does. But the potential was there to make this a wrap up. The other that was the other another issue, I guess. Not the other, but another issue is like he comes back and we're just time jumping, dude. Like he's in the very beginning of the film, he's having his last fight and then he retires and we're supposed to go through this whole retirement. But then we jump like three years in the future or something. And now he's back in the ring, but we never really see him retired. I mean, it all happens in one movie and it just, it happens so fast that, you know, if you were going to do that, you need to stretch it out. And that needs to be, your next next movie. But but again, I don't want that. I don't want you to just keep following the Rocky transition of like coming back, going out. Fighters can't fight. Like we've done all of this. You got like bring us something new. Yeah. And I think that the feeling I got Aaron, was the feeling I got at the end of Fallen Kingdom where we had about four different things that we're left with. And so Dominion had the opportunity to say, take one of those threads and run with it because all of those have potential and we got a fifth thread in the form of like mosquitoes but i think that in the same way fallen kingdom was two movies you had the escape from the island and then this whole interesting thing with the dinosaur auctions and stuff i think creed 3 has about at least two movies in it where you have the story of damien and creed and the backstory evolving that out. And you have a story of Creed and Bianca. What is it like to live a life post-spotlight? Because both of those, I think, have compelling elements to them. And so when you're kind of fighting those, to, when you're kind of combining those together, they, they get truncated. I mean, you just have, you have to edit, you have to cut down, you have to get it into two and a half hours. It's just a product of p- putting things in one film. And so... I don't like this reactionary approach to franchises. I want it to be, it's three and it's done. Let's tell our story. Unfortunately, movies work like network television, where if you got the bucks, you can make more. If you don't, you're not. So how do you make sure that you're creating a complete story? In the case of a TV series, a season, in the case of a movie, one particular entry, how do you balance being able to tell a complete story and leave things open? And it's a problem that I don't think will ever go away, but I'll go on record in saying that it just it hinders it hinders the integrity of the story. Creed 3 had the chance to be completely independent of the Rockyverse. And really that's not really by accident. I mean, Stallone has gone on record and said, as long as Weekler's the executive producer, he's not going to come back. He'll work with Michael B. Jordan again, but he's gotten a bad taste in his mouth. Maybe Felicia Rasad did too. Maybe she's like, I'm done with this. Or maybe it's like what you mentioned, that they're just trying to get rid of the old people from <laughs> the previous generation so they can create this, what I would call a rock and roll hip hop creed is what this was. Maybe that's what, what's going on. And all that, that style that you mentioned is again, one of those elements that looks great in its little pocket. So I actually enjoy visually all of the fight sequences. Maybe the montages weren't really doing it for me because you had like two get up moments. You had the one 
where he's getting beat down by Drago. And then he has a little flashback and he's like, I'm going to take my, I'm gonna take my safety gear off now and let's go after it. And then he does the same thing in this title fight. And I'm like, dude, one or the other. Okay. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to combine the two kind of Rocky four montages into two minutes. I felt like fight, get stronger, make us believe that you can, and then have your dramatic moment. But like the way that Jordan shoots this, it's very much like a rock and roll hip hop video. Like it's all about the energy. The cuts are so tight. They're quick. And I think that's why people gravitate towards it because it's exciting. It's not boring. I mean, if you watch a boxing match, it's boring. Like it's guys dancing around. It's not meant to be dramatic. It's meant to be like, ooh, and the way that you see quick shots, like the, I mean, I don't, I don't know much about boxing. The way that Damien blocks by putting both of his hands sort of crossing each other, I've never seen that before. That's pretty interesting. Um, and I love those little parts. I just don't know if they necessarily sold me on the story as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I know I read, so I know that they they like they were inspired by certain okay. styles of some boxers. You know, Mike Tyson was on that list. George Foreman was on that list. I don't remember who else was on that list, uh, but Bernard Hopkins was on that list. So they they definitely looked at that. So I know that they were actually working to make it look legit, and it and it feels that way to me. I was on the other side of this. Unfortunately, this was my least favorite boxing action of the entire series and this is where i was saying i also understand that people like my friend andy were like enamored with it and absolutely loved it the sound design is phenomenal visual crispness is outstanding but it's also shot extremely tight lots of up close like up next to the bodies most of that did not bother me what bothered me was the anime style, and Jordan talked about that. And I, when I, I didn't know that going into the film, but I, when I read that article or that quote after the fact, it was like, okay, that's exactly what I feel like. The moment we start seeing like slow motion over and over with like a body, like a, a fist going into a, a chest. And, you know, water droplets in slow motion coming off of it. That was just not what I want from a boxing movie series. I have watched a boxing anime, actually, oddly enough, that does a lot of stuff like that. And it looks really cool in animation, cartoon, uh, visualization. But like here, it just felt completely at a conflict for me with the dramatic tone of the out of the ring stuff. So when we got in the ring, it felt so heightened and you said it like it's like rock and roll. It's, it's modern. It is all about like what cool tricks can we do with the camera? It's not just get in the ring and fight. Now the choreography was good. The acting is good. Again, all that stuff. It just, and and I didn't hate it. It just, there's not a single fight in this film that was remotely as memorable or as interesting to me from a boxing standpoint as anything in the other two films. Like but all the fights in the other two films I would put above it. The other problem with it was that final fight for me is when we go into like, I'm going to flip from round two to round 11 and we're just going to 
get all fancy and go artistic on you now. And so it's like, I, I, I did not feel like Jordan had a great command of what he wanted to do. I felt like he was trying to put too many different styles into this movie, like the heavy drama family style stuff and the, you know, the Damon and Adonis relationship. That's like just streets, like good drama, like just drama. And then we had when the ring, it really turns into that like bombastic anime stuff. And then when he does that, like visualization of a completely like, out of body experience where it's just them and there's nobody in the ring around them. And it's just, I like, I don't know, man, I, it took me out of the movie, unfortunately. Yeah. And I didn't connect with it as much because of that. It's so weird. Yeah. Cause like when I'm watching it, I liked, I liked it, but it, it was like holding me back from embracing it. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that energy that I felt in the past where I'm unable to control myself where I'm literally just motivated out of pure, unadulterated, like, you know, energy to, like, leap up and and cheer and fist bump. I felt nothing like that. Mm -hmm. There's a – I I meant to go back, and I knew I wouldn't be able to because of just being busy. I wanted to go back and watch the previous entries. I knew I wouldn't need to because there's not – again, for better or for worse, there's not a lot of connectivity to previous entries. You can watch this without watching Creed 2. Of course, you've got this... <laughs> my wife turned and goes, Drago? He had a kid? Because she didn't go see Creed 2 with me. So I'm like, yeah, whole other thing. We can watch that later. But what I felt like is exactly... You, you're spot on when you, when you said that, that the styles that he is working with are almost like a playset, And he's like, I want to try this, now I want to try that, now I want to try this. And he's trying to fit them all in to the story that you have in order to be like really successful you got to be consistent in those things and so if you're giving me i didn't i didn't mind the the anime style like the slow-mo the water droplets i thought that was the stylization of that i think is different it's not my favorite i'm still always going to go back to kugler's one shot (laughs) boxing match it's not even the one that he fights at the end of greed one but it's my favorite of of any of these, like even beyond Drago. It is absolutely phenomenal because it it's tight. It's it's right there. You're not cutting back and forth. You're always with him. And I think it it also adds to the quickness of how strong he is. When you take a when you take a match like this, if you've sold me on a grounded story on a salt of the earth, urban grudge match, and then you elevate that stylistically not even just with the way in which you're showing punches or impacts i think you know that shows the power of these two but when you go to that surreal place where it's just those two and then at one point adonis hits the side of the ropes and then a prison door pops up i'm like okay are we gonna get four of these now and then it doesn't happen again and then we get him hitting damien knocking him into the corner and that corner turns into that the amateur like uh cushion thing and so i was sort of getting what they were saying like oh yeah uh you got you know juvie and you got you know the amateur boxing the past we're fighting in the past to me that was a little too stylized a little too fantastic because it took me away from 
what's happening. And the problem is what I was thinking about after we get back to round 11 of 12 is that neither of these guys look like they had fought 11 rounds. I mean, if you're pounding each other like that, your face is going to look like meatloaf, okay? Because you're hitting each other so hard. And they felt like it felt like they had been like when when they announced, oh, that was a brutal round. And before they said 11, I was like, oh, man, was that round four? What round 11? What? No, 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 no. If you're going to give that time that passes, you got to show me a little bit more like boom. And so by the time we get to round 12, I'm like, dude, they could go another 12 rounds. This is a 24 round fight because they have enough fun. I never saw a time duration in this because, again, the style told me it's right here. It's right now. And so if it's right here, right now, I'm, I've got a, a mental clock in my head going, this is only two minutes. This is only one round. This is not 11 or nine at this point, if you're in the math right. And I think that's where I had trouble. Now, in and of itself, it's a cool sequence. I love stuff like that. But it was inconsistent with what we had seen before. Just keep us in the ring. Keep us in Dodger Stadium, which is really, really which cool. Which was super cool, it. by the way. I love yes, that. that was yes. awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, it's this a battle is a Dodger for, Stadium. Battle for Los Angeles. It's awesome. You got a guy from Crenshaw, a guy from LA. I mean, yes. And then we another, fade it out. Like, <laughs> and we don't use it. And then, and then what, what are we doing here? So I understand the intent. I just don't know that it was necessarily given, given what we saw before. I don't know that it was executed in a way that was consistent with everything else. I would rather have heard the crowd. I would, re- you know what? If you're going to do that, man, put him in prison. Put him in a juvie hall. There's actually a. Tra- I don't know if you ever saw the trailer. I I was looking for this, but there's a moment where Creed and Damien are in like the common area of a prison, and like all the prisoners are yelling Creed. Creed, Creed. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that when that first jail wall came up, I was like, oh man, are we going to transition to like prison? And then like the crowd from LA is going to be like, Creed, Creed. is it going to transition from like the, the prisoners? To me, that's something interesting because it harkens back to what was it like when they were in prison for a short period of time together? Or So all that stuff, I think the spectacle of it is cool. It's just not connective in a way that makes me go because of that. Like it's cool in and of itself. And it's like watching a music video. And so it's like I'm watching this music video and then we get a commercial, which is the drama. And then we get another music video of a montage. And then we're back to more drama, which is the commercial. So it's kind of like I'm watching MTV boxing edition when it comes to Creed 3. And I think for a lot of people, and I, I go back to the movie theater experience that I had one of the things that was going through my head is like the reason these kids won't sit down is because they're so like attention deficit. Like they can't sit still. They have to be flipping. And to me, I felt like you can't, maybe you can't do that with a Creed movie. Maybe it has to be constant. Boom, 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 which is where Stallone was critical of Rocky four. He felt like the drama was lost because at the time you needed a political rock and roll story with lots of quick cuts, great montages to keep your audience entertained and I felt like that was the that was sort of the the crux of this is we need some when we're gonna fight, we need to be fast, we need to be quick, we need to be well, I say fast and quick, they're the same thing. But we need it to be very much like you, you can't look away because you're gonna miss something. You're gonna miss one of the cool fifteen punches <laughs> that are thrown. And that's not bad, but when that's what keeps your audience, you're missing something on the story side. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's it sounds so negative. Like I, I know I just don't 
probably people are listening probably going, oh, what do you mean you like this movie are you crazy no i truly did like it like i enjoyed myself overall i just have such high expectations for it i mean truly creed and creed 2 or like right there at the top of my rocky rankings and i felt like this was not and so i love all of the rocky movies like you know too well mostly all of them there's, there's some are just i mean there's like late levels right to this yeah. and that's the thing is i just was expecting you're always going to go into what you think is a trilogy capper with expectations that are through the roof because you want to see it completely land the plane and to bring all those themes and all those characters home in a way that is utterly satisfying and i just didn't feel like that it's funny because i'm going to be seeing here very soon john wick chapter four and i felt very similar to that like three just started to lose me because it keeps going and it keeps expanding on its mythology and it wants to like do more so it can have a fourth movie and a fifth movie and a tv series and everything is doing that patrick it's like i just want you to tell me your story that's why we love warrior warrior was phenomenal it's one movie doesn't need anything else it works one movie right that's it it's good creed didn't need creed to to be honest like creed by and of uh, large of it in and of itself was just a fantastic story but creed 2 could have easily just wrapped it up as well uh, i just i just needed this to to be at a higher level than it than it was for me and i think it just it was yeah. frustrating that all the pieces i felt were there like i thought i felt yeah. like the passion is there there's no doubt about that the mm. design is there it's just it wasn't quite put together it needed probably like coogler to come in and be like hey let me help you and show you what directing is like and where we can make choices that keep this thing a little more in line or something i i don't know he maybe he yeah. wouldn't say maybe he loves it the way it is but um I, I did really like it still i will still watch the whole trilogy over again i will still be right there gonna go see creed 4 even though i don't think it needs to exist i I expect now like i said creed 4 will follow jonathan majors i just don't don't see how it doesn't and i would expect that amara becomes the feature like if they do a spinoff or maybe she's the the primary you know the protagonist of the next one somehow maybe we chime jump again to where she's fighting as a i don't know teenager in golden gloves and dame is her manager yeah. that that's gonna be problematic for me again like I, unless you spend time at the first of your movie dealing with the consequences and and a change of heart like you can't just sell me on your bros and your your inner relationship together and your friends again after all that has happened you're gonna i need yeah. i need to see the dramatic work to make me believe that yeah, it's a lot of history that I think needs to be reconciled that we didn't quite get in this entry. And and I'm the same way. I think what Creed 3 does as a setup for future installments is it gives us compelling characters. Like I could isolate Adonis, I could isolate Bianca, I could isolate Amara, I could isolate Damien. These four characters that I think have star power as solo stories now i don't think we're going to get four additional movies that isolates each one of them 
but they all have that star power to be able to with the right script script with the right script with the right director taking care of the franchise knowing what you've built which is really successful and not just milking a cow until it can't milk anymore where then you have to slaughter it i'm hoping that that's where we go and i think aaron you and i have the same sort of feeling about the furious the fast and furious franchise we have both agreed that one through seven that's our series but when fast 10 comes out this year we're going to go see it now whether we cover it or not i don't know but <laughs> i can ah the times I get to go to the theater with my wife are great because she'll lean over and she'll ask me questions or she'll watch trailers. Like there's the, the George Foreman biopic looks really good. Um, we're excited about that. Excited about the Jake Gyllenhaal um, military movie. I forget what it's called, but that looks really good. And so the fast 10 trailer came up and she's like, what do you think? And I was trying to explain to her with loud trailers playing in the background, Aaron and I like one through seven but I'll definitely go see this because it's Fast and the Furious, because it's Dominic Toretto and it's the family. We've just tempered our expectations. And I, I feel like that's how it's going to be with the rest of the Creed movies is unless something just insanely changes, these are going to be serviceable. They're going to be fun. They're going to be good. They don't have to meet our expectations. I mean, heck, we what, Scream 6 coming out in a few weeks? Are you kidding me? I mean, talk about milking a cow, but you're still going to have your avid fans they're going to flock to the movies to go see that. Why? Because they're devoted. Because they're like, what are they going to do next? This is going to be crazy. And they're willing to be apologists for the goofiness in those. Just like we're willing to be apologists for how insanely big the Fast and the Furious franchise has gotten. We are unapologetic. That's our apology is that we're unapologetic about how we love that. And I think with the Creed series, however many movies it goes, do what you got to do. But just, you know. Make sure that you're taking care of the franchise. Don't don't let it be a cash cow. Let it really feel good. I mean, even the Rocky series with five being what I consider its dud, it knew when to say goodbye. Rocky Balboa, I think, was a great way to say goodbye to that character's story. He had stuff in the basement, as he said, and he got rid of it. And the way in which he ends his legacy makes perfect sense. It pays respect to his character. And it's not unrealistic. And so I feel like from here on out, have a plan, get your get your outlines together. How are you going to finish the Creed series? Is it going to be six? Okay. Map out those three movies and really pour your passion into them, Michael B. As an actor, as a director, whatever, get, get Kugler on board and really finish it strong. If it's going to be one, if it's going to be three. Let it be those things and then say goodbye, because that's what I think leaves a compelling legacy of a movie series is when you know how to finish in a way that uh, that honors the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I hope that that's what happens. I will be I'll tell you, I didn't miss Stallone here either, by mm -hmm. the way, did I. I, I'm fine with him exiting whether he wanted to or not. I think it was time. I think two gave us the perfect time for him to move on. And for it to move forward. And so I, I am at least happy that we have an incredible cast of characters so far uh, attached to this from this movie that could go forward. Just please bring me some experienced people to put this script together. And and Michael B. Jordan, go make another movie or two in between because you need some more experience as well. and And then we can bounce back for what hopefully will be something that is great 
for both of us and let's not continue i, I don't think we're going to continue down the fast and furious road but it's really hard to maintain <laughs> without starting to go down that slippery slope once you just keep going and going and going especially in this sport because frankly there's only so many interesting ways you can put two people into a boxing ring together there there just there just aren't a lot of unique ways to create drama around that other than changing the character and then making yeah. a different character go through the same things. <laughs> so yeah. we shall see how that works. That's why I really, truly believe in all my heart that we're going to go the Amara route and do this with a female, which I'm fine with. Yeah, and it would be different a, it, enough that I'd be mm -hmm. you know, interested to see how we handle that from a different gender perspective. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Feel and Film. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation just like we have. Aaron, thank you for this conversation. We will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Feelin' Film or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.